As we think of these disciples out on that night, Peter announced, he, he said, I go a-fishing, petulant Peter. He couldn't wait any longer. Obviously, they needed food. They needed to sustain themselves somehow. Little did he know the timing if the Lord would appear, how and when. And so he announced, I go a-fishing. And the others just joined along, and off they went to fish. And they spent the whole night casting their net, casting their net, and each time it was empty. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I appreciate this opportunity to present the message of the gospel to preach Christ. And I trust that we will be found faithful as we represent the Lord Jesus Christ and be found good ambassadors. We are of another country. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are sent to preach this glorious gospel that Jesus saves, and he saves from the uttermost, the guttermost to the uttermost, and he will save your soul today if you place your faith in the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. Our message today is Hope for Men in Despair. We're going to John chapter 1 to speak about those disciples that returned to fishing and what failures they were. When God calls you to serve him, don't try to serve the world. You'll just be a failure. And praise God, there's a greater work for God's people to be doing. And I do want to speak about that today as well. We've got a story of how David Livingstone ended up in Africa. It was Robert Moffat's report of a the smoke of a thousand villages to the north that have never heard the gospel. And I pray today that the Lord will challenge you about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful hymn today by Alan McGill, and I pray that the Lord will graciously minister to your heart through his word, through song, and through this missionary thrust. And so our prayer is that God will use his word in your heart. Stay tuned as we let the Bible speak today. The scene of these men, John 21, fishing all night, catching nothing, holding up an empty net, and wondering what's going on. That might just describe the state of the Lord's church today. I must say that I've been greatly disturbed this week by an event, an announcement by the Bible Anterman, Hank Hanegraaff, 67 years old. He was born into a Christian Reformed church. He took over from Walter Martin, the Bible Anterman Ministry, also known as the Christian Research Institute, founded as an anti-cult ministry. Uh, who, I think it was Walter Martin wrote the book uh, King of Cults. Um, and so after he took over this ministry for a number of years, he's been putting out books and so on and inviting people to speak on different issues. And many of them were good. Many of them were good. Many more things that we could uh, rejoice in. Here is the truth being set out and people being warned away from 
from cults and errors. Well, just last Sunday, Palm Sunday, uh, Hank Hanegraaff, his wife, and two sons were chrismated, and that's their term, chrismated, in a Greek Orthodox church in North Carolina where they have been attending for about two years. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, I just picked up on this driving my car on Tuesday, and I noticed that uh, Hank was in defense mode. He was defending himself. I haven't left the faith, and I didn't get the question that preceded that. And uh, I went on Wikipedia, and I went on to other places and noted that this is, this is genuine. He has actually attended and signed up to worship at the Greek Orthodox Church. Now, it is the eastern part of the Western Church. It's, they divided way back Constantinople, 1423. The Eastern Church stayed under their leadership, the West under the papacy, the Roman Catholic Church, but they, they merge in history. They have so many of the same ways, the Mass, priestly ministry, Mary worship, purgatory, penance. They deny justification by faith alone. And so for a man like this to announce publicly or to do it secretly, for that matter, but to even have an interest in going into a dark institution like this causes great concern. And I see it as a, another part of the awful apostasy that has befallen the Christian church, the mainline churches that have sold out to liberalism, modernism, and the agendas of, of sin and confusion. And here is another that has fallen, and it causes to disturb us. I have to confess, I was disturbed to learn this, and it shakes us, wondering, why is the Lord allowing these things to happen? As we think of these disciples out on that night, Peter announced, he, he said, I go a-fishing, petulant Peter. He couldn't wait any longer. Obviously, they needed food. They needed to sustain themselves somehow. Little did he know the timing if the Lord would appear, how and when. And so he announced, I go a-fishing. And the others just joined along, and off they went to fish. And they spent the whole night casting their net, casting their net, and each time it was empty. And so when the Lord asked from a distance, have you any meat? It was like an embarrassment. No, nothing. And then he tells them to cast their nets on the right side of the ship. And as they cast their net, bang, 153 large fish in the net to the point that they could not haul it in, into the boat. They had to haul it to the shore. We're told in verse 1 here that after these things, Jesus showed himself. And oh, what a strange way in which he did this. He allowed the men to experience total failure, that when they did receive fish in the net, they knew exactly who it was. 
And it was John, the apostle of love, who announced, It is the Lord. And then it was Peter who donned his coat, climbed out of the boat, plunged into the water, made a beeline to the Lord. And this was how the Lord revealed himself to him. Now, this passage is filled, just chalk filled with interesting details. I want to arrange them under three headings. Firstly, that the Lord showed himself by a humbling question, and then by a clear command, and thirdly, by an instant catch. Firstly, then, the Lord showed himself. Here's the Lord revealing himself to the disciples by asking them this humbling question. Verse 5, he says, children, have ye any meat, meaning food? They were not merely merchants. They were catching their own breakfast at this time. And at this time, they didn't know at first it was the Lord speaking. And the Lord in his risen state, as we know, could hide his identity or reveal it. And at this point, they did not know him. But the first thing that the Lord needed to have these men admit to was their failure. What is wrong? What is wrong? Peter, in his petulance, had announced, I go a-fishing. I go a-fishing. And it was the eye of self that was at work in Peter. Dare we try that? Dare we say, I go to preach, I go to serve, I go to build something for God, and we do it on our own charge. And surely it is the problem in Christian work that many things are self-directed rather than God-directed. And many enter into things that they have no business entering into, and others who ought to obey God in the very things that they should do. Now, I notice with interest in the list of these seven disciples that are given here that the first two were total failures, Peter and then Doubting Thomas. If you were hiring a crew, you would not have hired either of them. Peter, who denied the Lord, Thomas, who quizzed, questioned, in doubt, until the Lord revealed himself to them. The other uh, who followed along, they joined in, but that didn't improve their ability to catch fish. They had every physical advantage that you could mention to catch fish. They stayed together. They fished together. They shared the work. They went without disagreement or hesitation. If you look in verse 3, it says, when Peter announced, I go a-fishing, and the others joined him immediately. There was no crossing of ideas. There was no stress or strain. They acted efficiently. They did not say and not do. They acted on what Peter suggested, and they did not procrastinate. They immediately did so. And yet, they caught nothing. What do we learn from that? that in the Lord's church, it's not organization that brings the blessing. It is not how or what manpower we have. It is the anointing and the blessing of God which we greatly need. And these men certainly knew this. Had the Lord not said, without me, 
ye can do nothing. I note too in verse 5 that the Lord called them children. That seems strange. Every one of them were grown men. And yet the Lord speaks to them as a father figure as to those that barely knew what they were doing, playing. Maybe a reference here to their immaturity, but certainly they were experienced men. They knew how to fish. They were in familiar water. They knew what they were doing. But this was a startling failure. Not one fish within the net. They had a boat. They had a net. They had adequate power. They had experience. They had enough time. They had fished all night. They were familiar with all the area, and yet they had nothing. And so this question was a very humbling one to answer. No. And in that, the Lord was showing himself. And surely when we learn to humble ourselves and just get on our knees and say, Lord, I've failed. I can't do this. I labor. I do this or that and the other thing, but it, it comes to nothing. I need your presence, your power, and your blessing upon us. That's why the church needs to be the church at prayer. That's why we need to each one cry to God for his blessing, not only in the Lord's work, but in our own personal lives. How often we make decisions and take new directions without asking for God's blessing, and it comes to nothing. So there was the humbling question. Then in verse 6, we come to the Lord showed himself by his command. And he commanded them, we're told, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Now, what a difference, and what a change. Instantly, the fish were in the net. And there's all kinds of language here right in this text. It says in verse 6, they cast therefore and now. Instantly, they were able to draw it. They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And remarkably, the Lord, even at this point, was even able to command the disciples in this way. And as yet, he was not fully revealed to them. And when they obeyed the Lord, the net was full. Now, it was a command without hesitation. The Lord did not suggest, well, think about something. No, he commanded them. He didn't give them an option. He gave them a command. Cast the net on the right side of the ship. And there was no complaining, not even in the best condition. They were so close to shore, just 100 yards, 200 cubits, it says. That's pretty close to the shore. And they cast their net right there, and it was filled. Sometimes we say, well, you know, if we were in a different location, if we were in a different part of the world, different part of the country, it would be easier not just to be a Christian, but to serve the Lord. If we were in a different church, maybe, it would be easier to be bright and to have power to serve God. But really what we need to do is to be obedient to the Lord's command. And the Lord made these disciples obedient. He is the one who commands them, and they do his 
bidding. Now, when the Lord calls his servants, he makes them willing. That's true in salvation. It's also true in service. No one goes to the mission field reluctantly if he's really called. No one goes out into some kind of Christian ministry and does it as if there's a gun to their head, as if they need to be probed and pushed. When the will of God has been worked in a person's heart, they have the heart to do the work that God has given them to do. And as our hymn says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And it's true. And so they went without hesitation, and they cast the net. Now, it was a command of hope for these men who had been failures. Many preachers and perhaps Sunday school teachers or those who serve the Lord in various ways, they want to give up. They want to go back. They want to quit. But when you get a catch like this, that argument's gone. That desire's gone. And they wanted to—they were rejoicing. They were absolutely thrilled and excited. Now, it was a very specific command. They were to cast the net on the right side of the ship. Now, right, left, which is right and which is wrong? Is left wrong? Is it wrong to fish on that side of the boat? What was the Lord showing them? He's simply showing them that if you obey me explicitly, you'll have my blessing. And there are times when the Lord speaks and the Lord directs us, and we just have to say, yes, Lord. There was no reason, but it was the Lord's test to their obedience to him. We may think it doesn't matter where we serve or how we serve, but it really does. If God says, don't touch the ark, it'll kill you to do it. If God says, speak to the rock, don't smite it, it'll keep you out of the promised land. If God says, go to Moriah and there offer up your son or make a sacrifice, well, that's where God one day will build his Jerusalem. But Abram didn't know that on that occasion. And so we need to learn obedience and listen for the Lord's command. Now, this is nothing new. It's the way God's servants have had to serve God down the years. Listen to this little uh, hymn or poem. Who walks with God must take his way across far distances and gray to goals that others do not see, where others do not care to be. Who walks with God must have no fear when danger and defeat appear, nor stop when every hope seems gone, for God, our God, moves ever on. Who walks with God must press ahead when sun and cloud is overhead, when all the waiting thousands cheer, or when they only stop to sneer. When all the challenge leaves the hours and naught is left but faded powers, but he will someday reach the dawn, for God, our God, moves ever on.
Each day is like a new adventure, I am never bored. The little things in life have meaning since I've known the Lord. In Him I'm finding great fulfillment, life seems so worthwhile. So in spite of difficulties, I have learned to smile. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, I will praise the Lord of life all day long. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, for the Lord is put within my heart a song. I know a day is never perfect, problems come and go. The Lord has promised to be with me, and I've found it so. With Him all things in life have meaning, God is in control. So a song of joy is planted deep within my soul. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, I will praise the Lord of life all day long. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, for the Lord is put within my heart a song. For the Lord has put within my heart a song. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Ian Golliher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church. You can go to our website and get all the information concerning our congregation here in Cloverdale, British Columbia, or our denomination, fpcna.org. You can find that link on our website also, and uh, all about our ministry for Christ here in Canada. And I trust that today's message has been a, a provocation of your heart to stir you up to consider serving the Lord Jesus. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to serve. And I pray that God will use his word to bring you to a place of total surrender at the foot of the cross where you will pray, Lord, do with me in my life what you will, but make me useful. I think every Christian must pray, Lord, make me useful in your kingdom. I read here on Robert Moffat, a missionary on furlough in England, was telling about the dark land of Africa. Among those who listened to his accounts of the wonders and needs of that continent was a sturdy young Scot named David Livingstone. He was studying to be a doctor and had decided to give his life to the service of God. But just where and how he could make himself of most use, he was not sure. He had planned to go to China as a missionary, but was prevented on account of the opium war. As he listened to Dr. Moffat's incidents, he heard him say, There is a vast plain to the north, where I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages, 
where no missionary has ever been. The smoke of a thousand villages? Livingstone never forgot those words. Here was something worthwhile for him to do, something hard and heroic. He longed to go where no missionary had ever been, to give himself in service no one else would attempt. Filled with a new vision, he went to Dr. Moffat and asked, Would I do for Africa? It was David Livingstone's life decision. I wonder, have you decided to follow Jesus, to serve him, to make your life count in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have a lot of pew warmers in the Church of Christ today. We have a lot of people who are observers. Some even check in on the internet, but they didn't, don't really get involved in church ministry or church life. What a tragedy. What a great deal of blessing people are missing. Their lives, their bodies, their energy, their skills and talents, not surrendered to the Lord, withheld from the cause of Christ and the extension of Christ's kingdom. That ought never to be with a born-again, blood-washed saint. If you are thanking the Lord Jesus for saving your soul, then you also realize that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You are no longer to serve self or sin or Satan, but you are the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he must be the king of your life. And you must be willing to pray where he may lead me. I will go. And I pray that God will take his people in these times and thrust them into the fields of service. We need missionaries. We need preachers. We need elders and deacons. We need members in the church. We need faithful, born-again people who will worship and pray and make the Word of God known. The Lord has prayed that we be a light in the world, and therefore we are to let that light shine forth in the darkness around. Don't hide it. Don't put it under a bushel, the Lord said. Let your light shine before men, that they may know that you are the Lord's. And so I plead with you today to give your heart, give your life to the service of Christ, and do whatever you can. Yes, uh, like that woman, she did what she could. And if you are doing that, God will bless you and God will use you. And so I trust that the Lord will speak to your heart and lead you to some form of Christian service. Begin today. Don't put it off. Get on your knees and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I assure you, the Lord will guide you open doors. When you're surrendered, the Lord is able to guide you. But the best ability of all is availability, and you need to make your life available to Christ. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.